Good Sunday morning. My name is Pastor Graham. I'm the Family Ministries pastor here. Just so anyone that's not familiar, if you're like, man, three people have used the exact same mic, I know because it has the white stripe. We're all in the same bubble together, and we work together. And so if we were going to get germs from each other, we already had. So this is, this is the least of my concerns. And I got to deal with them all week. So good to see all of your beautiful, smiling faces this morning. You've got a sneak peek on uh, the title of the sermon, but it probably doesn't give away too much. I'm good at that with most of my titles. I try not to be too specific, so that way you really have to listen to, to get where we're going. Just as a way of introduction this morning, I want to explore the... Uh, uh, do a little journey through the Bible. Not 100% of the Bible, but through until the beginning of the New Testament. Throughout the Bible, we read about a missional community of faith. Not just individuals of faith, although there are stories about individuals, certainly who exemplify great faith, but we read about communities of faith. It begins, of course, in the beginning. Dun-dun-dun. Now, it's not really a dun-dun-dun, because it's not like a scary thing happening, so I scratched that. In the beginning with the garden, with Adam and Eve, we have our first community of faith. And really, they had a few primary missions, three specific things that we see, to walk with God and worship Him alone, to care for one another and to care for creation, and to multiply and make more God worshipers. And they did pretty good for humans at first. For humans, that's the key point. Um, but we see fairly quickly, quickly than any of us probably figured when we first start reading the Bible. Like, imagine this. You have never read the Bible at all. You just heard about God and faith and whatnot. You open at the beginning, because where else do you start a book? except the beginning, except as Christians, we often say, well, go to the middle of the book and start reading there if you're new, which doesn't, which is confusing at times. Anyhow, I digress, but I picture this. You expect this, in the beginning, God made, da 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 da, da there's a man and there's a woman. They are going to have the most amazing life because they are the first man and woman on earth. And then you get, you get just a little bit and all of a sudden, nope, dysfunctional family. Dang it, this is a bad start. And so we have Adam and Eve who disobey God. They, uh, have, they multiply, they do a good job at that, and have Cain and Abel. And then next thing we know, Cain commits the first murder in, on, on earth. I was having a discussion with my brother-in-law a few weeks ago when I was on vacation. He was like, do you think he act? I think it was, it was either him or maybe it was Cameron. I can't remember. One of the two. Anyhow, it was somebody. I had the discussion. I'm not making this up. Promise. He said to me, do you think that when that situation with Cain took place, that uh, he, when he picked up his method of murder, that he understood what was going to happen? He was like, was he surprised? Like, he just got a little bit ticked because he was human. He was like, oh, that's what that does. I think, I personally believe he knew because we have 
the apple, which we know gave knowledge of good and evil. So it wasn't by mistake that he killed his brother. It was part of this dysfunctional, fallen family that uh, he was a part of. But God has mercy. That's pretty cool. Right from the beginning, the first two humans that mess up, mess up pretty bad. He has mercy. He keeps his promises and keeps his covenant to be their God, to take care of them, showcasting for the rest of eternity, kind of setting the bar for his grace to the world and promise of the Redeemer. And then it goes from one dysfunctional family to a just a completely dysfunctional world. Um, and God's like, all right, let's go for round two. Let's knock all of these fools out, and then let's try again. And so we see uh, what Noah and his family goes through. And again, God shows his mercy and shows his grace, and he saves Noah and his family from destruction. Uh, I don't know how luxurious it is to be with that many animals. Probably wasn't the most enjoyable method of being saved. But nonetheless, God showed him uh, and his family grace and continued through Noah and his family to fulfill his covenant promises. And then jumping forward a little bit, that takes us to Abram, a direct descendant from Noah. And he begins the creation of a nation. If you look at Genesis Chapter 12, verses 1 and 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make, you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all of the families of the sorry, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Just let me pause for one second. This realized I messed up really bad. Hi, mom and dad. Welcome. My parents are here. They're right over there. That's very grim. In case you don't know me. John and Tanya right in front of me here know me for a long time, and they're not surprised by what I just did at all. So God makes clear, and just right back into it, like nothing ever happened. God makes clear only 12 chapters into his word that a missional community blesses those around them. In, in that promise to Abram, he talks to Abram about how his family, he will, his family will be blessed by God, but the blessing isn't just for his family to hold on to. Be like, oh, look at me, I'm the blessed one. Not so much you, just me. But no, you're, they were blessed so that all could be blessed. Then only a short time later, confirm, God confirms his covenant with Abraham and the community of faith. I mean, this like the world's growing and the blessing, the covenant is expanding. It wasn't just for Adam and Eve. It wasn't just for Noah on round two. So he, he, makes, he confirms his covenant with Abraham and the community of faith that had been developing. God's covenant was not just with individuals, but with a covenant community, with his people. They were worshipers of God alone, and they took care of one another to make more 
God followers. And then as we continue our trip through the Bible, we reach the point that Israel is now a nation. And it grows and it grows and it goes through periods of being a unified kingdom where they are a blessing to the nations around them, where they're offering worship to the one true God. But then we also see this flip in their lifestyle to apostasy and to worship of other gods. They were troubled by poor leadership. I'm sure many people tried to use that as an excuse for their own issues with God. They, uh, there was ungodly followers. That's taking a little more ownership for me. And they were eventually taken over by four nations, hauled off to exile, restored, hauled off to exile. But even throughout all of these times of tribulation and exile for Israel, we see this remnant of true believers that God saved throughout Israel's hardship, a remnant community that knew God had made a promise to them, and they believed it, believed that he would truly keep it. They had this hope of a redeemer who would come and save his people from their sins. As Isaiah 25, 9 says, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Just be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And then just doing a little bit of a time travel in the way back machine or way forward machine in this case. After only 400 years, just, just a jaunt in time, only 400 years of biblical silence, God shouts to the world through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is now this visible expression of the invisible God. Jesus is the Redeemer that the entire Old Testament was pointing towards and hoping for. Jesus walks on the earth. He is living without sin, worshiping God the Father in spirit and truth, healing and helping people. And we see him making disciples. Then Jesus dies as a completely innocent man, seemingly the most tragic thing in history. But we know that he raises from the dead three days later, and he appears to 500 witnesses. He ascends into heaven and now continues to reign at the right hand of God. And then we reach the point where the Holy Spirit poured out onto believers at Pentecost. Believing, we know that these are believers who represented people from every nation under heaven. The New Testament church is born. This community of believers that started with Adam and Eve and has gone from a family to a much bigger family to an entire nation to the Gentiles starting to hear. They weren't fully accepted at this point, but they're starting to catch wind of what's going on. This community we see is missional, meaning it has a mission, and that leads us to Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. If you have your Bible with you this morning, 
I encourage you to open up there or Bible act, uh, app, Acts 2, verses 42 through verse 7. By tomorrow, I'll be able to read this really good because I'll have my new eyes. In the meantime, I will struggle. All the believers devoted themselves to the uh, apostles' teaching and to fellowship into sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. More than just magic tricks. Miraculous signs and wonders. A deep sense of awe, oops, I already read that. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, meatballs, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord, this is really cool, and each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So, coming out of this passage in the time that we have left together this morning, I want to look at three specific marks of a missional church with you. I'm going to do something uncharacteristic and give you a sneak peek at those three. Don't fall asleep and think, all right, I got them, I can take nap time now. First, we're going to look at that they worship God, praying and studying the scriptures together. Second, they help take care of one another inside and outside of the church. And thirdly, they went about making more disciples. So, number one, a missional community worships, prays, and studies the scriptures together. You may say to this first point, maybe because you're new, maybe because you just never have understood this, it's never been taught properly or in a way that you understand. Hopefully I can do better this morning. Why? What, what's the point? Like I can do all of those things by myself. Or why do I even need to worship and pray and study the scripture alone or together. You see, we weren't just created to do the stuff of the world and find our meaning. You may have experienced this, uh, this yourself. I know I've experienced this. We hear it all the time by people that are worldly where they just don't, they don't feel fulfilled. They're constantly searching for that, that something that's missing and they try this and try that based upon uh, their interests, their hobbies, their addicted, addictive personalities, uh, and it just doesn't work. It's because we're created to worship God, and really it's built into our DNA, who we are. God did not create us to worship something else, to have uh, idols in front of us, nor did he create us to worship ourselves, how wonderful each of you are. 
are not as good as you think you are. Love you. These are really just our sinful human tendencies. But when this act of salvation comes, when God reveals like he did for Remy, he talked about this morning, when God reveals himself to you, when this act of salvation comes, a new desire to worship God for who he really is, not just some make-believe fairy tale enters into the picture when we realize that God is a steadfast God of love, of mercy, of uh, unending grace. It changes the picture for us. Do you know today and believe that God wants and desires to communicate with each of you? Do you believe that? And he desires to communicate with us as well. As we spend time pouring our, our hearts to the Father to be still and know that He is God. He has given us His written word. It's an awesome book. Read it. He's given us His written word to study it, to memorize it, to meditate on it, to spend time thinking about it, not just putting it next to your bed and saying, okay, this is going to protect me and let it gather dust, but actually get into it. God wants to be known. He has nothing to hide from you. He wants us to know him. And the Bible is very revealing about who he is, about what he is, about his characters, about the things that you need to know to fare about him. Because he is a God to be respected. He has expectations of us that really you don't want to mess around with. Just, just being real. Don't really want to mess around with God. Because it ain't going to work out well. And Bible is his way to reveal himself to you and to reveal a lifestyle that will be more fulfilling than anything else that this world has to offer to you. Don't just take my word for it. Give it a try. And although it's very true that as individuals we have this responsibility to spend time in first personal prayer and worship and study of the scriptures on our own, that is vital to being a healthy Christian and having a healthy relationship. It's not just good enough to gather together. But that's not the entire formula. Our faith has this personal side to it, but it's also important to remember that there is a corporate aspect to your faith. That we are all connected to one another through the Holy Spirit. We have this responsibility to ourselves, to each other, to come together at various times throughout the week, to worship, to pray, to study the Bible together. And that why we've created opportunities for this to happen is so that you can grow, not just because 
we, Pastor Andrew or Pastor Pam or I, desire to come up and stand in front of you for an hour and 15 minutes because of COVID. It's normally longer than that. That's why I said because of COVID. Jokes suck when you have to explain them. Thanks, Cameron. We have Sunday mornings. That's the most obvious time for us to gather. Many of you are here in person or online. We have a pastor, pastoral staff that we encourage you to fight against worldly culture that has hijacked Sundays for its own worldly purpose and see that Sunday is not just another thing that you have to do. It's not like a menial job where you go through tasks because you're paid to do it. But we have Sunday and we continue to meet on Sunday morning because that is part of our culture and how as Christians we grow there are other times during the week, because Sunday is not the end all of corporate growing. We have times through the week where we minister to kids, or Sunday morning. If you have kids, if you have grandkids, if you know kids, we have Kids Jam, which is a chance for them to come together, to grow, to desire, to uh, understand more about God to grow in their faith. Kids, man, kids are a lot smarter and intelligent when it comes to God than I ever realized. And it took me becoming a pastor to understand how much, even as a child, God can radically change your life. My son Lincoln, deep thinker. Like, sometimes deeper than me, I think. Like, the questions that he has about God, it's, it's amazing. The understanding that he has about his, his faith, which is his own faith. He's not a seven-year-old that, uh, because he's a pastor kid, assumed that he was saved um, or that he had to be a Christian. Man, he went through this long journey of night after night as his mom and I were putting him to bed of us speaking to him and answering his questions and going to Sunday school in St. John when I pastored there and hearing what was being said and processing it through and trying to understand in his own mind and having more questions. And then one day, one evening on his own accord, he said, do you know what? I think I want to give my heart to God. And we said, okay, but why? And he explained it to us, and we didn't do explaining to him and force it upon him or guilt him or tell him you don't want to go to hell, which scared the poop out of him. No, he came to this decision on his own. Your children are the next leaders of this church. Your grandchildren are the next leaders to reach our community. And so we have these programs for them to come to corporately so they have this opportunity, just as each of you do, to grow, to see other people their age and rub shoulders with them and realize that they're not alone in this journey of discovering. You're not alone in this journey of discovering who you are in God and who God can be to you. The Bible is what grounds us. It reveals the gospel and is transforming 
and power to our spirits. Therefore, we don't just gather corporately and we don't just encourage corporate times where we worship God together, where we pray and study the Word together for the fun of it, because, but rather it's because it is important as our identity as a missional church. Secondly, a missional church cares for those inside and outside the church. Again, just as in our first point, that's the design that God had in place for your life, for my life. While we're meant to be completely depend sorry, while we're meant to be completely dependent on God for all things, like to understand that we can't just do it on our own. Another part of his design is this community that is also to be inter interdependent upon one another. God works in the lives of his people to care for each other and also to care for those who are outside of the church, of this community of faith. The early church really knew what it meant to have generosity and, and making sure that not only their own needs were met, but each other's needs were met. In that, uh, those few verses in Acts 2, if you go back and reread that later, I'd love to read it again for you now, but we don't have a lot of time. You'll see how focused they were on each other. And it wasn't just about this independence. There's green tape between us, so we can't, we can't love each other sort of way of being. No, they relied on each other. If you look through the early history of the more modern church, the first orphanages, hospitals, and schools, who were they developed by? The church. And although through the ages... It's been the Christian community that fought for women's rights, that fought against the sex trades, that fought against slavery, the uh, um, abol abolishment of, of slavery. Today, Christians community, Christian communities create homeless shelters to care for each other, both inside and outside the church. Um, they continue to fight against sex slaves. I don't know why that was a tongue twister. They work for justice among the poor, among the desolute. They create counseling centers, job training. They teach English as a second language. They tutor children in struggling school situations. And countless other ministries of work on behalf of God's call upon them to be and fulfill their duty as the church. And at the end, to see the advancement, not of size, of how many people are sitting in pews so they can count and say, ooh, look how big we got, but to see the advancement of the kingdom of God and of his 
glory. The missional community right here in this room, I'm talking about you. My church, I see you taking care of your own inside and outside the church. And I want to encourage you this morning. Listen, wake up right now. Hi, I'm talking to you. Everyone's awake now. Sorry if uh, you had a small heart attack. I want to encourage you to look out for others in need, to look for that opportunity to care for one another. I'm not just talking about the people that are inside this church. P.S. So the way that our bubble system works in New Brunswick, it's those that you see regularly each week. So uh, it's not just friends and family anymore. It's those that basically you determine, I want them to be a part of my bubble. And so they become a part of who you see regularly each week. So look for those people that may be lonely, that need to have more community and say, I'm going to see them more so now I can hang out with them, invite them over for supper and break bread with them. Just a little thought, because this is a really difficult time for many people. Uh, it's so isolated. Um, and so just be more sensitive than you ever have been for those opportunities wasn't in here. It's a little bonus. You can pay me more later for that. Thanks. As a missional church, it's important that we take care of those outside of the walls. And I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful for the way that we as a body have been stepping up and stepping out. I'm so thankful for uh, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Pam, and the board, and, and the vision that has been cast it that uh, you guys have partnered with us as we push out to expand the kingdom of God to love in just normal ways. It doesn't necessarily include the preaching of God word, God's word. There are families on your street. There are families in your workplace that are going through some crisis. Some may be minor, some may be major. Marriages are on the verge of divorce. Parents are dying. Maybe debt is strangling them. Maybe there's a physical ailment, sickness that is affecting them. There are people all around you every day of your life that are going through something difficult, and that as a missional community, it is our chance to shine. That's where we get our hands dirty and be involved in reaching out in new ways, ways that we may have not even thought about yet, to love on our neighbor that gospel has a chance to go from simply being words being spewed to actions being carried out. It's running headlong into the messy world that is around us, that is dark and dank, and we cover it carrying a floodlight and sweet-smelling fragrance, which is the love of Jesus Christ 
and the mercy and grace that he extends to everyone regardless of where you find yourself in life. There's nothing that the enemy desires more than for us as the church. There's nothing more he desires for us to think than that place is too dark and dank for me to approach. What if I go near, near there? What if, what if their evilness rubs off on me in some way? It's, it's not the way that works. And there's nothing more that he wants for those people in those desperate situations than to feel like there is no hope, no option. There's no chance for them to get out of that situation. That they're just coasting through life on their own. Because that's where he has his chance to really dig his nails in. And then finally, a missional community makes growing followers of Christ. In the first community that God created with Adam and Eve, the primary way to make more gospel worshipers was to procreate, have children. And then they took those children that they had and they nurtured them and they admonished them to serve the Lord. We do a little bit differently now. As a community uh, grows and God expanded the community, the mission expanded, we see in the Bible where foreigners came into the land and the Israelites attempted to convert them and draw them into their faith. Eventually, we see where uh, those who were converted, uh, uh, converted went out and started to proclaim to the other nations the good news of God and his unconditional love, even some that were a little bit resistant. It's not comfortable. It's not necessarily easy for us to step out and, and say or step out in love in areas that we're not normally going to. But we see someone in the Bible who kind of went through that. His name was Jonah, and he fought really hard to not fill out the mission of God, and then we all know what the results of that were. He ate, got ate by a fish, thrown up, and still did what God had asked him to do. Um, so it's easier just to kind of go with God's plans. I don't think you're going to be eaten by like a giant land whale um, or anything like that, but it makes life a lot easier. In the New Testament community, we see exemplified by Jesus Christ, the ultimate example of making disciples, that they weren't just supposed to hit point one and worship God and pray and study the scriptures together and grow in their own personal faith and say, well, I feel closer to God. Yeah, yes. And then maybe go to step two and um, show love to each other and care for each other and say, now I am both super spiritual and we love each other a lot. And yeah, yes. But there's this third point, which is a little more difficult for some people, of making 
disciples For the sake of time, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit here. We see with the disciples, with this, and with the early church, we see this trait where their community of faith was attractive, and the way that they cared for each other was genuine. The way that they cared for unbelievers was genuine, not with some string attached or some like underlying agenda that they had this amazing work ethic and they had this joy that really their whole system was built upon even we 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 see that when they lived under military occupation uh the roman government that they continued to persevere to build disciples. As a missional community, we should be marked as disciple makers. Hello? As a missional community, we should be marked as disciple makers. The imprint our lives should make should be one that brings others into our community of faith and teaches them all about the scriptures and the gospel and what it looks like to be a Christ follower and how to take our burdens to him, how we apply this gospel of grace and unending forgiveness to every aspect of our lives. Who are you helping to become a growing father follower of Christ? It's a natural question, and it goes to everyone, not just to the appointed leaders. Nobody, nobody is excluded from making disciples. And you might say, but I don't know how. Then, instead of just sitting back and letting that question resonate and go around your mind let us teach you let us equip you let us show you how utilize the processes for discipleship that we have in place and are putting in place we have special services that we plan every few months that are meant to be extra sensitive to people that are attending church for the first time and such your opportunity to invite these people where they will have exemplified to them an introduction or how to be introduced to Christ. We're starting a new believers course and a, and a next steps course that go over what it looks like to be a disciple in the new believers course. And then it goes into making disciples in the next step course. And so uh, even you who maybe you've been a believer for countless years, join us. Go through these courses with us. Learn as Pastor Andrew equips new believers to grow in the faith. Sit in and learn from his techniques. Come and sit in a next step course and learn how to make disciples.
or we'll be restarting connect groups uh, in September. We're working to restep and reform our connect groups, which is about a dozen or so people that will meet together every week and disciple one another. It's a great opportunity for you to grow in your faith, for you to be cared for and care for others, and to grow and make friends. There are so many different opportunities to fulfill all of these three points for you to be a part of this growing missional community. There's formal ways to disciple people. There's informal ways. There are times where, uh, Cam, if you can come back to the piano. There are times when you meet with someone to explain the life of a Christian with him. There are times when we just simply get together and serve others and live out what a disciple has been taught. It's the responsibility of us as the leadership of this church to equip you to be disciple makers. And it's your responsibility to be a disciple maker. And so I encourage you, if you're struggling in any of these areas, Don't be shy to approach Pastor Andrew, Pastor Pam, or myself, Graham, because we're here to be involved in your life, to see us grow together. Guess what? As a pastor, I don't practice any of these things on my own. Every week, my mentor, our amazing lead pastor. How many of you know that we are blessed by an incredible lead pastor and Pastor Andrew? Man, I've been in a lot of churches. My dad is a pastor. I'm a PK, so I've been in a lot of churches. Seen a lot of different pastors. And in ministry, I've been under and around a lot of pastors and I'm not just saying this because I'm afraid of a paycheck or whatnot or because I need to suck up but we I have never been so blessed the wisdom that we have in Pastor Andrew his the way that he hears and communicates with God on his and our behalf Man, we are so blessed. He disciples me so that I can disciple others. I spend time as a staff. We spend time in corporate prayer and worship regularly with our summer students so that we could grow together and care for each other. This is something that we don't just speak about from behind a pulpit and then live in separate life. This is something that we practice and have seen growth for and so, sorry, growth from and so desire to see that for all of us as a corporate family 
And as a result of us taking these three points for which are based upon our greater mission statement, as a result of that, us impacting our community. Stand with me this morning. This message, it's not complicated. It's not life-shattering. Well, maybe it is. It's not, it's not rocket science. I'm not inventing a new scientific method or thinking that I'm preaching something that maybe hasn't been said. If you look back through the last, including this message, four messages that I've preached in quite a number of the messages that Pastor Andrew has preached, they all are very much interconnected. It's not complicated. Grab some friends. Love God. Love others. Make disciples. These are the marks of a missional community. These are the marks of a missional community. And so I encourage you this morning before we slip out to just quietly allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, speak to your mind. God wants to communicate with you. Look at yourself and say, do I see these marks upon me? Do I have room to improve? How is God calling you out this morning? Who are the people in your lives that you need to impact, to love? Who do you need to bring into your bubble so they have an opportunity to experience the love of Christ? Father, I'm thankful for for your calling me to this place. God, I thank you for giving me this opportunity to share your word. God, I thank you for my family, for Evangel Bathurst. Father, I thank you for the amazing things that we have seen for the people that uh, are coming to know you for your Holy Spirit moving. And Father, I pray for, for my family. God, I pray that the words that you spoke this morning would find deep roots in our hearts and our minds God, I pray that we would have this desire to look at 
this mission statement, this vision statement that Pastor Andrew and the, t- and the board have set out for us as a church. And we would look for opportunities to fulfill it as a missional community. Father, I pray. I pray for a change in our own hearts and minds. For an inward revival. So that your kingdom can be expanded through you working in us, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Graham, for that challenging word. And we're gonna we're gonna lean into God this week and uh, learn how we can live that out. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Thank you for joining us online. And those of you who are here live, uh, once again, we've renumbered the pews. So we're going to release from the back to the front in the middle, then back to the front on this side, back to the front on this side. The ushers will help you as you go. God bless.